welcome to Vision Scope, a program intended to educate and inform. My name is Wilbert Williams. Hello there, and welcome to another episode in the series Vision Scope. We are very glad to have you today and to continue to explore all the events and possible activities going on among persons with disabilities all over the world. We have a very interesting program for you today. Recently, I sat down with four illustrious lands from the Lands Club of St. Andrew. The Lands Clubs in Jamaica have been playing a significant role in the development of work for persons with disabilities. And so I thought we would sit down together and have a discussion on the impact of the Lands Movement on work for the disabled in Jamaica in particular but later we probably can talk about other areas of the Caribbean. These lands have held positions in the Lands Club of St. Andrew and also in the wider district. I am also pleased to be associated with them because I have been a lion for just over 41 years now and during that time they have played a significant role in my own personal development. Let's join them for the discussion. A place to listen and learn. We have a special program lined up for today. We have a very distinguished panel consisting of lands. As a matter of fact, all lands. They are all members of St. Andrew Lands Club. And I'll let them introduce themselves starting with Land Marilyn. All right, good evening everyone. My name is Marilyn Anderson. As Land Wilbert says, I'm a lion. I am the president of the Lions Club of St. Andrew for the period July 2019 to June 2020. Thank you. And then we have with us Land Isaac McCullough. Thank you, Land Wilbert. Um, I'm Lion Isaac McCullough. I'm a member of the Lands Club of St. Andrew. I'm also a past council chairman um, and presently heads up the committee for service in the club. And we also have Lion Christian Freitas. I'm Christian Freitas. I'm the immediate past president for the Lions Club of St. Andrew. And I'm also the LCIF chairman. Um, Committee Chairman, which is Lions Club's International Foundation um, Chairman. Thank you. And we also have Lion Robert Forbes. Yes, thank you. I'm Lion Bob Forbes. 
Um, I joined the Clarendon Club in December 1972 and then transferred to the Montego Bay Club in 74 and then transferred to the this club, St Andrew Club in 1977. Um, one of my past zone chairman, past region chairman and past multiple district cabinet secretary treasurer. That was under the reign of um, Carl Francis. Some, some, I forget when that was, uh, about 1990 I think, some time ago. And um, I've been a past treasurer of our club for quite a long time, about 16 years, but gave that up about four years ago. <laughs> I'm also here, I'm a lamb, and I will be your moderator for this discussion. Lan Isaac, let's yes. start with you. If you could tell us a little bit more about Lanism, what, 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 what does it entail? Well, um, in fact, that's quite a, a mouthful because I know. because not only not only is it very powerful in terms of the presence and the work that is being done all over the world, but uh, we have to be facing a particular challenge at this time in our lives, which is going to impact very negatively on the type of work we do because we really touch the people that we serve. But to answer the question that you have, uh, uh, should I say, to deal with the subject that you have suggested, um, I just want to make the point that Lions Clubs International is a is a charity organization. Um, it's about 102 years old now. Um, it was initiated in Chicago by a businessman, um, Melvin Jones, who thought that persons like himself who were businessmen could spend some very useful time helping persons who needed help. Um, and it has become quite powerful internationally. From time to time, I wonder myself why Lions Club, which incidentally has the largest membership of all the service clubs at over 1.4 million at the moment and over 200 countries um, in the, around the world. And I've often wondered to myself, why is it that for whatever reason, we seem to have more members, we seem to attract more people. And I think that the, the real, the, real, the answer may be that we are actually touching people. And, and there is a, particularly now that we, we have this, this virus threat going around, and the value of contact is being realized by a lot of people, which we have been very successful at over this 102 years. And during this time, we have in, involved ourselves in all forms of, of aid and assistance to people who need it. And it really has nothing so much to do with money when you stop to think about it, although that's a very important part of it. It really has to do with that hand that goes out to help people who have a need. Because we have many projects, at least two projects that I recall in my club, where when we do the service, the persons who are the recipients of that service actually make cash contributions to us. So it wasn't that they needed money, it's that they needed us. And this is the real challenge at this time. Of course, we have been very popular with our work in areas of sight, um, working with persons to preserve sight, 
and persons who have lost sight. And that was, started, that was started primarily because of the intervention of Helen Keller, would you say? Helen yes. Keller challenged. Yes, in fact, I need to, uh, I, I was boning up a bit today on, on Miss Keller. And for, for quite a little while, I've realized that Lions Clubs International were very, very fortunate to have invited her to speak at that convention. Very opportune time. It, yeah, because in her, on her own, she was a very powerful person in the United States. Yes. And she, 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 she was not only blind, but she was deaf. Yes. And was the first person with that sort of restriction, because I don't want to call it a handicap when you consider what she was able to do. Yes. Who was able to achieve a Bachelor of Arts at Harvard, although yes. she was blind and deaf. And, uh, but she had a wonderful teacher, you know, Anne uh, Sullivan. Yes, yes. yes wonderful yes. woman who yes. taught her, you know, to sounds and made her use her fingers on her lips to, right. to, to interpret. In fact, she herself had written a book and then it was expanded. Um, she called it her life story, but um, a very famous writer, I can't remember his name now, picked it up and did a theater production of it and also a movie. Yes. But that was called The Miracle Worker because it yes. was centered around her teacher who they recognize as having performed a miracle by getting, by teaching somebody yes. who was deaf and blind to the extent that they were able to graduate from Harvard. Yes. So this is a powerful lady and she, she challenged because she was trying to get the Lions Club to support her in the American Society for the Blind, mm -hmm. where she was one of the founding members and she was, I think, the, the, the president. And, yes, uh, and she's still revered in the United States among blind persons. She, oh yes, and she was close to many of the of the presidents. Yes, and many of of the very dynamic people in the society in the United States. Yes. So you know, she rubbed off a, a, a little of that notoriety on Lions clubs when she appointed us to be Knights of the Blind. And at that time, it was a very relevant charge. Yes. Um, you know that over time, that has changed. Yeah. Um, and now we, we, we really see each other as partners working together to change lives. And Bob, you have been in the club for a long, a long time, probably longer than any of us. Can you tell us why you chose to become a lion in the first instance? There were only five Lions Clubs in Jamaica and Cayman. There's only five. And I don't know if you know Damien Young, who was the, he owned Young's Pharmacy in Maypen Plaza there. And, Heard of you know, it. He, yeah. We, we, funnily enough, we learned to fly together, but that's another story. But he came in one day and said, um, I want you to join the Lions Club. So I said, let me go and see what it's like. So I went down to their Christmas meeting and they inducted me the same night. Oof, just like that. No, nothing at all in those days. They didn't, you know, check you out really at all. So yeah. I joined and, then I was, said I was shifted to Mo Bay in 70, 74. And I nearly dropped out because, uh, you know, Donald Chin, though, I don't know if you remember Donald Chin. Yeah, I remember him very well. I stayed at Donald, his house a couple of times. Okay. 
right, well, it was Donald Chin who said, no, 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 come up and join our club and transfer to our club. So I did. And I've been in it ever since, really. Mm. Yes. But it was, I, there were, I think there was, a, there were about four Rotary clubs in Jamaica back then. And I think five Kiwanis clubs and the, and the five Lions clubs. And that was it. Mm. Yeah, well, Christian, what about you? What made you decide to join? Um, yes, Lionel Wilbur. Well, I, my journey started with a, a meeting with Lion Dr. Haim Prasad. Um, I used to visit Dr. Haim as a medical rep, um, which is what I do for a living. And I remember on one occasion when I visited Dr. Haim, he stopped me midway um, my detail on my products and said to me, uh, Christian, are you a member of any clubs? And I said, I said, yes, doc. I'm actually a member of Toastmasters International. And he said, so you're not involved in any service clubs? And I said, no, doc. Have you ever heard about Lions? He said, and I said, well, I've, I've seen the, the logos around, um, around the, the city. And um, but I never, really paid much attention and I wasn't aware of what they do. And then he began, began to give me a, a summary of what it was that the Lions do. And it intrigued me, um, the thought of a group of individuals uh, who make it their duty to go into communities to help people in need. Um, it really resonated with me. And he immediately, after I told him I was interested, he immediately picked up the phone and called Lion Keris Harper and said, Lion Keris, uh, I have a young man here who I think will make a good lion. <laughs> and then after that, um, he put me onto her and she kept in contact. And I remember the first meeting I was invited to. Um, I remember feeling that I was in the company of a distinguished group of people, um, a reputable set of people who are dedicating their time and energy to the worthy cause of helping their fellow citizen. And, and then when I eventually went to some of the, the projects, um, that just cemented um, what I thought of the Lions. Um, and I decided that I would join the movement to throw in my support um, for the the worthy cause, the global cause that the Lions represent. Okay, for me, I, I was approached in 1979 by Peter Stevenson, who was then a Lion. And I think at that time, he was president of the Lions Club of St. Andrew, our club. And he asked me if I would like to become a member of the Lions Club. Of St. Andrew, and I, and I said, Peter, that's not for me, you're crazy. <laughs> I remember those exact words. And um, I found every excuse not to join the club. And he, he left, he said, uh, well, think about it, think about it, and I'll come back in two days' time. And he came back, and I still said no, but he sat down with me and he explained, and he said, well, I'll never forget, he said to me, you know, you can be of help to the club and the club can be of help to you but 
we can do more for you if you're inside than if you're outside. And I said, okay, I'll give it a try. And so I joined. And to be honest, I've never regretted being a member of St. Andrew Lions Club because um, the relationship has been good. There are times when we argue, you know. Lots of times, lots of times. <laughs> <laughs> we always find solutions, eh? And we yes. come back together, and that is the most important thing. So now, Marilyn, you're back. You can now tell us why you yes. joined Lions. You know, it's interesting that you said, um, you know, I, I had to put in when you said that there are lots of times that we fight, um, and we do. And I think pretty much you will find that in any um, club, any place that you have more than a couple of persons who gather together, because it's natural, you know, we're all very different. What I've found in, with being in this club, though, is that we fight, but it's almost as if we're very protective of each other. So we can fight internally, but don't let anybody from the outside try to fight with us. Because then you find that, you know, everybody has your back. Yes. Um, my journey really came out of a need, really. It wasn't anybody who approached me. I was actually looking for a, a, an organization to, to give back, you know. Um, I remember earlier, well, high school, I was actually in Circle K, is that, that a key club? Um, key club it was in high school. I remembered early in the journey as well, I actually went to another Lands um, club within our region and we, um, and I went to their meeting and I, I had a friend who was a member there and she was trying to get me to join. Um, and then I had other friends from other service clubs and I won't call names, but other service clubs, you know, who were saying to me, come man, come to this, come to that. And then, you know, one day I decided, yes, I'm ready. There was a very close friend of mine who was in the St. Andrew Club. And I started talking to her about it. And she herself and Lance Sonia, who is another stalwart member of our clubs, were very mm -hmm. close. And she put me on to Lance Sonia and I came. And, you know, after the first meeting, as Lance Christian said, I felt as if I was home. I felt as if, yes, this was the place for me. And when I, when, when is that other organizations, other service organizations was trying to get me to come on board, what I found with Lanism, and in some way, it could be our, it could be considered a weak point for us, is that here was a group who was steadily doing their thing, as Lan Isaac met mentioned we touch lives literally speaking and there wasn't much you know fanfare or patting of the back or oh my dogs want to join in <laughs> yeah there wasn't much patting of the back and and much touting and much boasting and you know it's, it's just a set of people who 
rolled up their sleeves and got the job done. Um, when you look around with a lot of other service type organizations, it's a lot of talk and a lot of more, um, you know, not really the hands-on. They will probably get somebody to do this or get somebody to do that. We actually go in and we do it ourselves. Um, so I say that to say earlier that I think we would be well served if we, you know, did a little bit more public relations. So persons out there, and this is what you're doing, Lan Wilbert, is, is an awesome, um, you know, venture because this will reach to the ears of many and people will get a feel or, you know, get a little bit of idea of what we do. We're doing better at it than when I first joined, but I still think that we could do a lot more in terms of just spreading the word about what we do and, and what it means to persons, you know? No, no, Projects are central to any service club. And we do a lot of projects with people with disabilities. You know, what are the two that stand out in your mind? The first thing I want to, the first point I would like to make is that the most important thing in a service club like Lions Clubs International would be the members. Because without the individual members, like there's nothing can happen. And the second most important thing are the projects. Now, it's it's how the how the the organization is put together in terms of policies and procedures is that lands clubs the individual clubs are community service clubs and so we have a responsibility to go into our own community and this you will recognize having said that this responsibility of going into our own community identifies the need for us to be familiar and intimate with our community so, so that we can do a needs assessment to see what are the needs of our community. And then looking at our own ability to serve, because you can't, you can't help if you need help yourself. We look to see what our resources are, and then we tackle the most important of those needs, or all of them, if we can. Having said that, you will find that many lands clubs do different things because their communities have different requirements. But overall, at the top, from international, a lot of the focus is put on disabilities. And of course, because of our involvement with Ms. Kello, um, SIGHT has been a top priority for Lions Club. It used to be very, very, in, very, very important on our agenda in the past. In more recent times, general health requirements um, have taken more of, a, more of a demand on our time. It's part of a bigger really picture. Not, used to. Really not doing as much yes. for sight as we used to. Now, talking about important ones for my club, um, we find that working with disabilities is, is, is important too. We do a tremendous amount of work with youngsters, um, like with the 
schools, the infant schools or the, the primary schools. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of work with, um, we have this, our SOS village, where we have adopted one of the homes there and we have actually uh, embraced the responsibility of keeping that home going and in fact, keeping the occupants of that home happy and doing things to enhance their, the quality of the life that they live there. And then that is, of course, a, a signature project for us. Um, perhaps at the moment, the most demanding project that we have is our dental clinic, which is demanding in a, a whole different way and serves a wide range of individuals who need medical assistance. So I would say that at the moment, it is our dental clinic and the work we do with children that occupy a lot of our time. We do a lot of work as well with older folks. Mm. Um, And we do have a number of calendar events where we provide health services in a primary manner to a number of senior citizens in various communities. Our health activities, which also take a, a a big chunk of our project time has to do with um, primary investigations like blood pressure readings and glucose readings. And, and of course we have doctors, we have, we have a doctor at the moment as a member of our club who assists us and we have other resource individuals. So we're sort of fairly well and evenly spread around. In the past, we have done a lot of work with mm-hmm the Society for the Blind in Jamaica. Um, we have gone and spent time with them. We, we, we have you, Lion Wilbert, as a distinguished member of our, our membership, of our cadre of, of persons who serve, because you have done um, stellar work with lions, although you, one would get the impression that you are one of the recipients of our service. On the other hand, if they see, they don't realize, first of all, that you're a past president of this club and that you're an integral part of the activities that take place in our club. And you are, you are much more involved than a lot of lands that I know um, in other clubs. Certainly you are key part of the Lands Club of St. Andrew. And, uh, and there was a time when we were very much more involved we would come up and paint the building. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. Those days uh, when we used to, to do more paint, that, that paint kind of the library. Work. Yes. And we were contributing to some of the expenses of, of individual lands yeah. um, when we had the ability to do so financially. We paid one staff member for an, a, a number of years. Yes, yes, we did. You know. So we, we, have, we have become, we have, we have been involved. We are a part of the Jamaica Society for the Blind. Yes. Uh, and and uh, I, would, I would venture to say even more so because you, Lion Wilbert, who is a part of that group, is an integral part of the landscape of St. Andrew. Yes. And, 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 and we are particularly proud of that. Thank you, sir. Um, so you're a part that, of the 
of, the, of our organization where we do whatever planning we're doing and working with persons with disabilities, you are there in the middle of it. Right. Matter of fact, yeah. um, a lot of you never fail to be amused when you behave in a sighted manner in our meetings. <laughs> Yes, you have to keep on looking at them, you know. You can't take your eyes off them. And recently, <laughs> in, although, <laughs> recently, although I'm sorry, I missed that. I understand that you gave a talk to meetings, which in a meeting, in one meeting, where all the young lands were suitably impressed, which, which all of us have been from time to time when you give your talks. And I have to interject here, Lan Isaac, very early on in my... Um, in my lands year was very, very early, like maybe the third or fourth meeting that I was going to. Lan Wilbert actually gave a talk. Mm -hmm. And I remember leaving that meeting, you know, so inspired and so my eyes were opened, literally. Mm -hmm. I remember two things from, um, from that. I think I... I don't remember if it was that particular evening I dropped you home. I don't think so. I think it was subsequent to that. But subsequent to that. It was subsequent. But I remember in that first talk, I remember, I don't, I can't remember who asked, but somebody asked, you know, you know, Lan Wilbert, you know, you know, would you want your sight back? And to me, listening on, you know, I just assumed that the answer would have been yes, of course, you know, because oh, of course. And I remember your response was like, what would I do with it? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you looked at yours like, what would you do with it? You wouldn't yeah. have a clue how to, how to navigate through your life. And I, st I remember that thing has stuck with me. And I remember sitting down and going, you know, here, here I, I am sitting and saying, boy, Lan Wilbert would be so happy to have his eyesight. And when you broke it down to me, it, it's like a light bulb went off. I'm like, you, you, you know, you, you wouldn't know how to communicate. You wouldn't know how to read. You wouldn't know how to, you know, operate your daily life. And that is when it really resonated and connected with me. And, and you know, it, it still remains true. Right. Means so true. Yes, that's, I mean, I think a lot of persons would, have, would be surprised for that, um, you know, that kind of feedback because we all think that, hey, you know, that, that's something you probably would give your right arm for. Land Bob, what things that stand out in your mind? Gosh, well, I think, I think, um, I line as it's covered most of it, but probably just a bit of history, our, our mobile clinic, the dental clinic was originally mobile clinic. In fact, it we had it in, yes, we had it in St. Thomas for a while, yes. and then we towed it back and so on. But probably as a bit of history for Marilyn in particular, um, she may be interested in this, but prior to 1976, um, ladies weren't officially you know, considered part of the Lions movement at all. Indeed, they were called, you know, like, there were the ladies auxiliaries and they had no regalia nothing at all like that at all and the first lioness club that we formed um in, in our region which in those days was region six which used to stretch from grand Cayman in the northwest down to Suriname in in the southeast 
a huge district, lots of islands, all, all the English-speaking ones. And the first one in that district, which was very big there, uh, was formed by the Lions Club of North St. Catherine, uh, Carl Francis and his guys. And it was certified in May in 1976. In those days, I was secretary of the Mobe Club, and I was delighted to, to be able to form the, the uh, certify the Lions Club of Montego Bay the very next day, actually, on the 4th. So that was good. But then the Lioness Clubs were formed throughout the district. Um, then you, the big major time was 1986, when um, a Jamaican lady, a doctor, funnily enough, I can't remember her name, I've got it written down somewhere, was invited to join and did join the Santa Barbara Ro Rotary Club in California. And as soon as Rotary found out about it, they suspended the club's charter. And the, 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 the Rotary Club of um, Santa Barbara took it to the local jurisdiction. And, you know, they came down on the side of the Rotary Club and on the grounds of discrimination, the, the challenge was upheld. And of course, the rest is history. Right after that, Rotary, Lions, Guanis at their next intervention conventions all had to change the constitutions to, to, to permit ladies to become members. And so that, Bob, I, I can anyway. also recall that you served on the board of, both you and Lan Isaac served on the board of JSP for a while. So yes. We, we, yes. you provided administrative help. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. In right. And then yeah. I might as well put this in here, that when we had a project where we were as an alum, alumni group, because we called ourselves School for the Blind Old Students Association, and we used to go around the country looking for blind persons, land West Sharp yeah. took that on and traveled yeah. with us almost every week down to the countryside using right. his car to transport yeah. us. Mm -hmm. And we had a wonderful relationship. Yes. You know, those are some of the projects. Land, Land Christian, which two projects can you recall that stand out in your mind since you joined the club? Um, well, the first one that, that stands out to me um, was a collaborative project with the um, Lay Magistrates Association of Kingston. Kingston, I believe. Um, it, yeah, was Kingston. Held, it was held um, in downtown at the uh, Sir William Grant Park. Mm -hmm. um, and that project was actually my first project as president of the club. Um, and it happened to have fallen on my birthday on the 18th of August um, in 2018. And what stood out most to me was just the sheer scale of the project. Um, I remember us serving at least 120 persons um, on that day uh, by providing them with vision screening, um, blood pressure checks, blood sugar tests, and we also uh, um, distributed um, lots and lots of tested glasses. Um, and I remember the recipients of those glasses were ex especially um, grateful to receive them, um, especially because they were coming at no cost to them. 
And that is one thing that, you know, I pride myself uh, to be a part of because there are many persons out there who, who really can't afford this type of service otherwise. Um, mm -hmm. Or affording this type of service may mean that they skip a meal or it may mean that um, they're, they're putting themselves uh, in, at some disadvantage uh, in terms of their daily living. And um, it meant a lot to me to see the reactions of those uh, recipients, um, how grateful they were. And it touches, it touches your heart, you know. And I remember as well um, the joy that I felt in representing my club um, as the president at such a, 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 an impactful project. Um, and I remember also uh, representing the club um, on, uh, I believe it was, um, I don't remember which radio station it was, but there was a short interview um, that, it was 106. Mm -hmm. Yes, so it was, um, it was really a, a prideful moment for me to represent yeah. my club in that way. Um, second project that I think would stand out most for me so far as a lion um, would be my one of my more adventurous projects uh, where I represented the club on a, a deep sea dive, um, which oh. was a clean up, a clean up operation um, yes. where we I collaborated with a team of divers. Um, the group was called the Yardy Divers and also some other um, divers who weren't necessarily attached to any organization. There was about eight of us in total and we, we dived 95 feet below the surface to remove an old abandoned fishing net, which is known as a ghost net in yes. diver jargon. And it, it was serving as a hazard to marine life, um, trapping, uh, sea turtles, fishes, uh, and even some birds. You know, some of the birds made um, dive deep, um, but mostly turtles and, and fish and crustaceans. So that was um, one more of my most uh, memorable uh, projects, uh, serving in that capacity to, um, to keep the environment or preserve the environment and the beauty of our, our reefs, mm. which many tourists um, visit Jamaica uh, to experience. Yes, and they come for diving, diving um, activities as well, I believe. Absolutely. Yes. Stan Marlin, um, can't leave you out. Uh, what are your two projects? Um, all right, let me think about that. There's one, the, okay, when you say that, the one that, in, the first one that jumps to my mind is a project that we do at Christmas time with, um, uh, SOS? Um, yeah, no, not SOS, um, Q and N. Oh, yeah, senior citizens. Yes, the senior citizens. That's the word I was looking for, the senior citizens. I didn't want to say old persons, but <laughs> um, yes, that project, you know, you see the community, the, the 
senior persons in the community that come out. They, it's a project where we feed them, we fellowship, we open with prayer. It's Christmas time, as I said, so we have a robust um, singing sessions. They come sometimes with their little song sheets and they make requests. And it's a really nice fellowship moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's good to see. I mean, we, we actually, I think, formed um, a male's lion's um, singing club or singing oh. choir. <laughs> because oh, on occasion, you know, I, I remember the last time, I think it was about four of our males. Yeah. And the males got together and they went up and they were singing and it was really, really and and very nice fellowship and feel good moment of giving back um yeah. to them. And the other one swings really to the other end of the spectrum, which is the SOS Children's Village. Um there was, I remember, I won't call any name, but there was one guy in particular. I don't even think anybody else from the club really knows this, but there is a, a, a young man who was living in the, in the home that we, um, we adopt or we support. And every time I go there, he would seek me out. We'd have our little chatter. He shows me his books. Um... I would, you know, give him a little thing on the side and he he was amazed. My car has this feature that could auto, you could re- start it remote, auto start it. You press a button and you're nowhere near the car and it would start. And he, I remember the first time he saw it, almost every time I went up there after that, he'd want me to to, to do it. And he's, he was just in amazement that that could happen. So outside of the the general um, service that we provide to them as a community, not just to our host, that kind of connection really, really hits home in the heart, you know? Um, And and they're very bright kids. You look at their books, you go through their school books sometimes. They're very bright kids. They're very bright kids. My two, my two are firstly, the Library at the Jamaica Society for the Blind. In the early days, we had all Braille books, and you know, Braille books take up a lot of space. Um, just to give you an example, the entire Bible, you can't get it under 27 volumes. <laughs> so you need a wheelbarrow if you're going to take the, 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 the Bible to church. Um, and I remember lands going in and putting up the shelf, what they call it, Dexian? Yeah. Yes, yes. And I remember them putting that, that in after they had painted the room and, and laying out the library. And all the librarian had to do after that was to come in and, you know, position the books alphabetically and all that. And then the other one that stands out, which really wasn't a project of our club, but it's it's the Lions movement in general in Jamaica, is the building of the resource center on campus, the resource center for people with disabilities. Upstairs, you have the Lions Den, 
and downstairs you have the resource center for people with disabilities. When I was a student on campus, we had to go to the exam center, stand up outside, and wait for sometimes up to half an hour before you, you learned which room you are going to write your exam in and whether they found invigilators for you or what was the problem. Sometimes we were totally forgotten and it was a last minute scramble. Now it's organized. There are paid staff in there and um, you report to the center. You can do your exams in that room. You don't have to struggle to find rooms and all of that. So you see that these are the things that really <clears throat> make a difference to lives. And um, Alliance has been at the forefront of doing all of this. Uh, something that we no longer do, which for me was a very, very impacting experience. And during the period that it took place, it was always the highlight of each lionistic year. And that is our journey for sight. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Where we gathered all the clubs in Kingston and some in St. Catherine. We'd start at, at, uh, at Manor Park. Manor Park. Mm. And we would have a police escort. And on occasion, we would have two marching bands, mm. one in front and one behind. Yeah. And the lands all turned out in their regalia. Yeah. And we had our tins with us. And we marched down through. We would take a break at Tropical Plaza and continue down to Emancipation Park. And people would stop their cars and call us over for donations. And it was a spectacle each year. And one year, more than one year, I think about three years in succession, when our dental clinic was mobile, really mobile with its head and the wheels all working properly. It was a part of that procession. Yes. So we presented a very, how should I say, impacting scene in, in Metropolitan Kingston, whenever we did that. And, and uh, I, remember, I remember young Wilbert joining that, those processions. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and it's a pity that we, we have not kept that going because it, the visibility that we got yes. from that activity was tremendous. Oh, yes. Right. Mm, so we tried to bring think, it back. Right. I think this, this um, year we were, I know, um, with the clubs, they were looking the white cane launch. Yes. We yeah. would have been doing... A, a scaled down version of that with a walkathon in a controlled, I think it was a, supposed to have been at the stadium or stadium, at the arena. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. But COVID-19 COVID yeah. got the better of that. Yeah. But so, then it would have had the public impact right, that right. the other journey for sight had, you know, with all the lands turning out. I mean, hundreds of lands. I mean, oh, yes. look at the parade, it was like, you know, you couldn't see the front if you were on the back and the noise of the bands playing and the marching bands playing. It was really something. It's like, it, was, it was like carnival. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, we need, yeah. we need to, that's the kind of thing that we have lost. And frankly, with COVID, I don't know that we're ever going to get that back. I, in. Yes. <laughs> I think COVID is bringing about a new normal. 
that is why that is why we need that is why we needed a program like this where yes. we could sit down and reflect mm -hmm. on where we're coming from and probably um, we can later take a look at where we are going but i want to thank everybody so much for giving me of their time and joining in this panel discussion and you know we wish dance movement in jamaica and throughout the world all the best for the future that's it for today join me next time when we will present another in the series vision scope music was provided by rennie williams jr <laughs>